Hey guys, this is Tim Powell from the Minerals and Royalties Authority. I recently sat down with Ashley Gilmore, CEO of Trax, who came back onto the podcast to talk all things title. During the episode, Ashley walks through some of the developments over the past few years for Trax, including their new partnership with Enverus and the addition of their new product, Title Notes. Later in the episode, we also debate the merits of running blanket title, front-running title on transactions, and the respective nuances and challenges for title from basin to basin. Let's jump into the episode and hear more of what Ashley had to say. Well, Ashley, good afternoon or good morning. You're up in Canada right now. Uh, Thanks for joining. It's good, good to have you back on the podcast. Great to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. You came on last year and a lot's changed. You've had some developments in the company, a new partnership, some additional things to bring to clients and some case studies and some success stories on the broader offering you have adding value. So I'll hand it over to you. I mean, we've already gone through the in-depth track story. Anyone who wants to dive into that, by all means, check out the initial episode with Ashley. But a couple of minutes, why don't you refresh everyone, those who are not familiar with tracks, Ashley, tell them what you guys are all about, and then we'll jump into the new partnership with Enverus and Title Notes and then take it from there. Yeah, so Trax is a software as a service designed to help mineral companies or energy companies in general compute mineral ownership from a legal perspective. We have lots of clients in the mineral space because of the efficiencies we bring to the table. We make it more cost effective to maybe blanket run title in advance, et cetera. We also have a land services team that you can you can use that as essentially an army of ninjas that know how to use the platform from day one. Uh, ready to go. And we're currently doing projects in every every major basin across the U.S. It's actually pretty crazy this year. The first quarter of this year was was probably the best quarter we've had in the last two years. And then this last quarter was the best quarter we've had ever and by a substantial amount. So we're seeing lots and lots of traction this year. That's excellent. Now, just diving into that, do you think that's a function of the transactional activity? I think we're at a unique moment in time in minerals in that you have a lot of portfolios of scale that are starting to come to market and be marketed professionally by investment banks and advisors. And so more so than ever in the last 12 to 18 months, you're starting to see 50 to up to $200 million plus size assets coming to market. Given some of the advantages you guys bring to the table in terms of running title at scale and running it quicker and leveraging title that you've already run in the past and not having to double your, triple your efforts up. Do you think that's part of it? Is it the title notes addition into the mix or combination of everything? What are your kind of initial thoughts there? I mean, for sure, title notes has played a factor in just getting our name out there, but the information asymmetry that tracks can give our clients is a huge, a huge factor, right? So what we're seeing is a lot more activity from people bidding on these bigger projects, and it's not enough to just be willing to pay the most. You know, you can look at a couple of the major transactions that have happened in this last year where companies are essentially saying, hey, we're willing to pay this and we don't need to do any additional diligence. We've already ran the title. We already know the decimal we're comfortable with. And this number, this price reflects that. So take our check today or in a few days within closing rather than 30 days, something less than what we promised you. And so we've actually participated in a number of, or most of the large transactions that have happened this year, whether the team was successful in acquiring the asset or not, a lot of them were pre-running that title diligence so that they could be competitive. 
just think of any of the the large packages that have been sold this year and we were likely on both sides of those transactions in some cases. Explain to me, so I, I kind of get the value proposition as a, for a buyer. On the sell side, how are you representing clients? So just explain that for me. Yeah, so you need to get comfortable with the title diligence and there, there's a cost associated with that, right? So the easier I can present the asset to you, the more likely you're going to have faith in the fact that, in fact, what I'm offering you is, in, in fact, what I, I own. Right. So tracks enables companies to get more comfortable with the title. So that increases the number of bids you're going to get. That increases the price you're going to get. Additionally, if you've done all of the work in tracks to begin with. So a lot of our customers that have been customers for a number of years, they've already done that title in tracks. So there's no new work that has to be done. Part of our license allows you to set up a VDR instantly with tracks. So you, you decide you want to sell a package or a, a portion of your portfolio. It's a matter of just sharing the, the title data with the, the companies that are interested in participating. In this okay, sense. excellent. Well, let's, let's peel back. We'll revisit some of the transactional activity and some case studies, but what is title notes partner with Enverus? What have been some of the unique advantages of that? That, you know, they are the largest, you know, SaaS and intelligence provider in, in oil and gas right now, right? With all their acquisitions. So when did the conversation start? What was intriguing about the partnership for you? What do they bring to tracks? All the above. I'll let you uh, tackle that. Yeah. So deciding to partner with a company like Inveris is it's something startups often like, I don't want to say dream, but they think of, they're constantly thinking about, right? Because, and if they're not, they should be, right? Because Inveris already has the entire customer base or a large percentage of the customer base that you want as a startup or as a young company. And so for us, that's why it was attractive. Uh, another reason is they lead the market in, in, the, in the data space, especially in Texas for, for title data. I mean, they're essentially acquiring every one of their competitors that happens to own a digital courthouse, like Courthouse Direct as an example. So partnering with them was an easy to decision, one, because they had the data set, but two, they also had all of the customers. The title notes will actually work in any basin. It does not have to be used just within Paris. We can use it with other data sets in Wyoming, as an example, or Colorado or Oklahoma. It, title notes is more of a process, but you're paying for the output of that process, which is we have the system that we run all of the documents through OCR, then through some natural language processing to extract all the relevant fields. Now, if we're being honest, like most of these AI marketed software as a solution tools out there, they're just not anywhere close to 100% accurate. They're not even 50% accurate if you include really old documents, right? The ones that are in cursive that require ICR and things like the icon character recognition to, to read. So we actually have three landmen review each document. So an initial, like a very young entry-level landman does the initial correction of the first pass by the natural language process engine. And then a second landman with a little bit more skill reviews that landman's work. And then a landman with five plus years experience does a quick review of that, of that. And you can actually, it's so important to us to be accurate that we actually put the initials of the landman on every title note. So like, even though you might have had different landmen doing the work, their initials are on each title note within your report. That's kind of a high level, like how it works, but what you get is a fully interpreted document. So you're using Embarrass or you're using some other courthouses data, and you need to understand what do those documents mean in context to what I'm interested in, like, you know, the land that you're trying to buy. And so you could read the, the 10 pages or the 15 pages or, or whatever. And you could interpret those documents to get an understanding of what's happening, uh, or you can use title notes and we'll deliver to you. The average document we found is 1700 words, and we condense that down to less than 40. 
So, you so can it's, cons- it's Cliff Notes. If, if anyone, I'm going back to my elementary school and junior high school days, but it's, you know, you didn't have time to read the book and you get Cliff Notes and you go into school and you try to, you know, do the, the summary of the chapters you read. It's Cliff Notes for, for title documents. Yeah, it's Cliff Notes for title documents. That's exactly right. I mean, in fact, a lot of our initial marketing had Cliff Notes and that's why it's title notes, right? So, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> um, but no, that, that's exactly right. There's a couple of use cases. One, if you're, say, an EMP company or a mineral buyer and you just want to be up to date on activity. In those cases, you can just get a continuous stream of new documents filed in your in the courthouses or in the areas within the courthouses that you're interested in. And instead of just getting alerted that a PDF exists inside of Inveris, you actually can get an email with a condensed summary of all of those documents. So super useful. The other use case, probably the most used or often used use case currently, is when a landman or when an EMP company or or mineral buyer decides they're interested in, in an area or a single interest that they're trying to buy an, oppor- an opportunity, they want to get that title started right away. So if they have access to title notes, they can just dump documents from the area into title notes. We will only process the documents related to the area that you're interested in or that actually have anything to do with title. So on average, it's about 65%. So, and that goes whether we're running a whole abstract or a single interest. So we have several customers that ask for just blanket title across a whole abstract in Texas. It's thousands of documents, but we, it's actually only 65% of that. And then they get fully interpreted title and title documents. The title still has to be run out, but. Let me ask you this. So how does that compare in terms of A, the opportunity cost of time? So if you were to do this in-house, how many hours does it take? How many landmen would it take, for instance? And so I'm assuming you guys do much quicker. And then is there a cost arbitrage as well? Or I guess, given the way your system is, is built, once you, you've done it, then you have it into perpetuity. And so is there a cost savings over time? Do you have any of those metrics kind of, if I'm listening to this and I'm saying, well, that's super interesting. Well, I, I might be a little too small or I may not look at enough deals. What are the kind of thresholds I need to meet to where this is a no-brainer? So the documents are for title notes are on a per document basis. So you can be as small or as big as, in fact, the very first title notes customer from Inveris, it was super interesting. They had just signed up for an Inveris license. I think it was two guys. They had a single interest that they were interested in verifying. They, When they signed up for Inveris, they saw the title notes thing and they said, what is that? They hooked us up with them. We told them what title notes were and they were like, wow, you know, now we don't have to hire these different landmen to do that. You're saying you can process this. So what we ended up doing is just showing them how to use the button. They found the, the documents in a, in, and they put them in a run sheet inside of the Inveris platform. And within less than 24 hours, and for $1,250 total, and that's because it's way less, it's on a per document basis, they did not pay $1,250, but they, they actually had the title get fully run out and the interest verified for $1,250 in less than 24 hours. Like to put that in contrast, if you were interested in buying a deal, you would either, if you don't have any in-house landmen, you are going to reach out to your broker. You're going to say, hey, do you have anyone available? You're going to wait for a response and time is just going to be continuously took. And then they're going to put a landman on and you don't know their level of skill. You don't know how much it's going to cost you, but with tracks, it's very quantifiable. And with title notes, you know that we're going to charge you X for document interpretation, which is if you pre-buy them at six bucks per doc, right? It's fully interpreted and linked and fully searchable. And then that's it. That's what you pay for the title notes. So like if there's 20 documents in the chain, you're getting charged 20 times six, which is a very quantified, knowable, knowable number, right? And so after that, with tracks, we can instantly process title notes. They're machine readable. 
So you do not have to have a Trax account to use title notes. I can give you the summary of the of all the documents and you can make your landmen really efficient and double check their work because you have the title notes and they'll build a process title significantly faster because instead of reading 100 or 1700 words, they're reading 40 or less on average. But if you push it into tracks, you're talking 10% of the time. Anybody listening to this that has ever bought a deal, how long does it take start to finish? I'm including the time that you're not paying for to get someone on the project and then to have the interest verified at the end. It's definitely more than 24 hours. This person became a customer found an interest that they were interested in, submitted the documents through title notes. All of the documents were interpreted in less than three hours and available to them. And then the full title chain was verified to that single interest all within less than 24 hours and for less than $1,250. I mean, to me, that's a, a huge win. Is your team interested in de-risking their underwriting on minerals acquisitions? What about maximizing the value of your minerals on exits? Source Energy is pioneering energy intelligence to help you stop guessing when, where, and if wells are going to be drilled and completed on your minerals. If you're interested in tracking daily frac activity, buying white space before permits are filed, buying permitted acres just before the rigs show up, buying minerals at permit pricing when drilling is in progress, buying ducts with imminent flush production, or maximizing the value of your permits and ducts anytime you exit your minerals, then please visit www sourceenergy.com slash minerals or email info at sourceenergy.com for a free demo. I also want to say thank you to Noble Royalties, who's been a leader in the minerals and royalty space since 1997. With the ever-changing landscape of the energy industry, Noble's team urges EMPs, mineral funds, and private families to rethink how they buy and sell their minerals. Noble's legacy and experience will assist in delivering effective solutions to EMPs and private owners alike on how to best maximize their mineral ownership in this ever-changing market. If you're interested in having a conversation about what might be the best solution for your company, fund, or family, then please reach out to Chase Morris at cmorris at nobleroyalties.com or Shannon Manor at smanor at nobleroyalties.com. So there's kind of on the, on the title front, there's been two strategies historically. You have the blanket title, is more expensive, but there has benefits down the road. And then there's doing post post diligence, right? After close. Have you seen a shift, you know, the adoption of your clients? Are they doing more of the upfront work, just given the speed and the cost advantages? Yeah. I mean, and we can put this in perspective at scale. If you look at a company like Endeavor, they might be spending $2 million a year in Martin County alone running title. But if you were running title for all of Martin County, using tracks and you weren't like singling out interest, you could do the whole county for less than $2 million. You can know every owner, right? Th those are like my costs, right? But if you had my team and you had my, and I wasn't upcharging you, you, you could do it for less than $2 million. So that just like put it into, into perspective. Is it more expensive to run blanket title versus waiting until post, you know, post close? And I think the answer is it's cheaper. It's significantly cheaper. The downside, is you might not win the deal. The upside is you have more deals to go after because instead of just that one person, you know, that maybe called you and then you didn't get the deal, you now have all of these other leads you can go after. You can look at companies that are doing huge blanket title projects to give them competitive advantages. Yeah, and let's let's revisit some of the larger processes. Um, you know, for sensitivity, I'm sure let's not name names, but if you want to do just kind of descriptions of how you've seen it unfold and some of the benefits that have come. I mean, we, we already talked about it. So I know two very large transactions 
just through the grapevine. Guys kind of chatter about who's buying this and what was the price. And there were a couple of guys who took down large deals and they were not the top bid. They front ran the title and and did a quick close. And that got them the deal because in today's environment, time always kills deals. But after COVID and the swing in commodity prices in the last 12 months, I just think if you have something of multiple hundreds of millions in value, like you don't want to roll the dice on on 30 days for an extra 5 million bucks or whatever the premium is on the offer. So that quick close is, is really, really valued by, by the sell side and the investors. But do you have any cool kind of insights and different things you can, can walk through? And then after that, or in, in your explanation, walking around, you said you're active in every basin. So I know title is different in every basin would, if there's any contrast that popped out with running title in different basins, do those processes go into that or we can we can answer it afterwards? Yeah. So that last question is a lot easier to answer than the first one, especially not using you know, names. But for sure, if you look at those deals where a seller wants certainty, right? So if there's a diligence window and they think that maybe they have 10% defective title or whatever, your bid is going to have to be 10% higher, right? You know, if you're going to want that diligence period, then somebody that is offering no diligence. Here's my price, right? That's as the seller. And the seller's always questioning whether or not, you know, their security in their own title, especially if they haven't used tracks, has gotta be, has gotta be ultra low. Like let's let's get this off the books, you know, now that we've got it to scale or or whatever. So if you think about it, not only from that perspective of the certainty of the money uh, that we just described, but also just the transaction actually closing, right? Like there's value in eliminating the risk of failure. And in this case, they've done that. The the buyers that are front running the title, they can not only do they know what you actually own, so they're able to offer the maximum bid per acre based on that, but they're also, you know, so it's really hard to compete with someone that has information asymmetry over you. I mean, everyone knows that the or typically knows the current production of the asset that you know they're buying underneath, right? Or they can potentially gauge the future production like everyone's using the same formulas, everyone's using combo curve or some other tool to, to forecast the value of it. And so then it's just like, man, do I want to pay more than them? The key is to, to pay the most that you're willing to pay when you have perfect information. The only way to perfect information is to have the, the diligence done. And companies using tracks are able to get that diligence done super quickly. They front run it before bids are due. So they when they do bid, they're bidding their highest possible bid. And then they're saying, hey, seller, once you agree to this price, we're done, right? Like there's nothing else. Like this transaction's over. You win, we win, everyone leaves the table happy versus we're, let's sign this deal that we might get this money. And then 30, 45, 60 days later, you know, I come back and say, hey, you know, I've found this many defects. I wasn't able to search through it all. I either need more time for to find additional defects, or I need you to, you know, this is what we want to write off the, the deal. I, I have a question for you. So in that process of front running the title, and I'm not a land guy, so sorry if this is a dumb question. You find a bunch of defects or hair your title. Are you able to then, with tracks kind of flagging it, maybe roll up your sleeves and and correct some of that preemptively or before you go into an area? Or I know a lot of guys prefer hairier deals because it's less less competition. So maybe when you're doing blanket title in an area and it, it has a bunch of flags pop up on certain areas, maybe those are the, the target assets you target first because you think oh, there's an opportunity there. 
Am I barking up the right tree uh, on that? No, but think about it like, and that is a totally like a very interesting perspective. A lot of our customers, you know, like tracks because it does identify issues in title for them and helps them get to the right answer. But think about the power of information asymmetry when you're going into you're going into a deal. You've been shared the data room or some aspect of a little bit of it. So you're front running the title and you verify a bust, right? You verify that this interest is wrong. This person, you know, say it's two people, right? Two different parties in one case that caused the issue, right? In one case, the information that the that tracks is providing you is telling you, okay, this person actually owns 50% of what they think they own in this particular area, right? And so you know now that you can everyone's going to find that bus. You can identify that bus. Even this is post-close too. You can identify that bus. Meanwhile, you find another, another, the other person, and that person actually owns 50% more than you think he owns. You, you can pay more per acre for that particular position. And meanwhile, you're discounting the acreage that you're going to bust, right? So the seller is getting dinged twice. You're, you're getting all of the upside of running the title in advance or or during the diligence period, because you're finding all of the areas where they actually got it wrong in the right direction for you, but you're also finding all of it where they got it. In, and then you're using that against them. And our buyers get to take advantage of that. Like that, ha- like on some of the large deals we're talking about, that happened where it was 20% here and 50% there, right? So in the end, the clients probably believe the bus exists, but are they gonna, do they ever think that maybe what they have more than they they think they have, right? So that's what I'm I'm talking about. Though the most competitive bids are going to come from someone that knows everything about the asset they're about to buy. So and especially where they know more about the asset than the owner, the people selling it. There's so many deals that where we get to look at the the, the data room, and I'm like, this is the title that they have. You bought based off of this, right? So. Yeah, no, I, but on the flip side of that, I mean, there's, and you said you've been representing both sides on a lot of deals, but, you know, I've done a lot of work with Source Energy over the last year. And so originally, you know, using their information asymmetry of ground development activity, it's a no brainer for a ground game aggregator, but they've been starting to get institutional clients and saying, hey, why don't you better define the value of your portfolio when you take it to market? So the same argument is made here from a title perspective. And so if you're sitting there, and there's a lot of folks, right, private equity backed or not, that have a, a portfolio of scale and you're on the fence and there's an interesting dilemma right now of do I cash flow it out or do I take it to market because oil's over 100 and gas is up? And if I, I maybe I, I hold on to it and cash flow it out and I could hit my horror rates that way or maybe I'm going to be kicking myself in 12 months because oil's back at 70. You just don't know. But having it's, it's just a piece of the pie. Running everything so you know exactly what you own and if you come to market, you with certainty can have, have that price point. And you're not going to be, you know, the worst thing that can kill a deal is shopping it overvalued. Because with the amount of deal flow out there, folks just won't dig in if they think it's unrealistic to do a deal, right? And so it's really important to get it right, I think, out of the gate, especially when you're doing B2B. Because I think there's a lot of groups that have just put up their hands. They've told me, they're like, Tim, we're done with dealing with these large ranching families or these portfolios that have been out there and you, you, you're always kind of knocking on the door. And these are, these are families that don't need the money, but all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we'll talk to you. We'll entertain an offer. And you put all this work in and they're just not realistic. So we'd actually prefer to deal with another investor who thinks like us, has their return hurdles they need to meet and a deal can get done. And it's not just this 
pie in the sky type stuff. And so, yeah, kind of the end of rant is if you can really get comfortable with exactly what you, you have, you can stand behind a number and that helps negotiating to, to now the bid ass. So talk to me about, well, first let's give a little title 101 from basin to basin. So which basins are the worst from a title perspective? And then we'll back into that on what you've seen from title notes and from tracks and how you've helped clients. But you mentioned kind of the, the OCR process and the accuracy rate and the, the triple layer of verification you have with your land team. I know there's a lot of cursive and a lot of older documents in Appalachia, for instance. So if we can go around the horn and you kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of what title looks like across the country, and then we'll kind of dive into some, some examples. I should have definitely uh, brought some notes for this portion, but no, Appalachia is a great example. Actually, you can look at EQT as an example. They think they have the best process for analyzing title in Appalachia. They do stand stand up title opinions and it's, it's kind of a joke. Like they're essentially having attorneys run everything right off the bat and they're spending a ton of money to do it. And anybody that thinks that they can, one company can build software better than a company that's solely focused on building that software is is nuts right and especially in appalachia i've seen the power of tracks so where you have these massive airship chains and sometimes it's hard to detect where all of this common title is and to understand how these these parties relate to each other with tracks the computer's doing it for you right so it understands the relationships of every party and everything that that party owns at every moment in time like you can literally quite literally see through time what exactly ownership is instantly and then when you find and identify a chain or an airship, you're able to just clone that across the different areas or tracks will automatically say, Hey, these documents are common to your, your area. So in Appalachia, I understand why they hire an attorney to do the stand-up opinions right off the bat. Cause they know they're going to eventually have to do it. I think it's the wrong way of thinking, thinking about it. And I would challenge, challenge them any day to getting to the correct answer faster and at a lower cost and a more correct answer against their current process because of doing it manually or by hand. I don't care if it's an attorney with 20 years of experience, it can get complicated. Things can get missed and it's harder to miss those things with, with tracks. East Texas, I would argue is a lot more challenging than, than Appalachia as an example. And really? that's, yeah. And that Explain is because that, cause that I've never heard the titles that the title's harder in East Texas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should get a couple more I, guests on here. Like I, I thought Appalachia takes the crown for, for Harry's title. Maybe for a human, you know, but the documents are easy to get generally. The resources available to the landmen are, there's a lot of great resources. With tracks, you're solving the airship problem and it scales like crazy, especially if your acreage is contiguous. So what that means is essentially when acreage is contiguous, the title generally is contiguous through time in some way or another. And it can, when you have lots of landmen working, it's hard to communicate amongst those landmen. So anytime you, you scale out your project in Appalachia, you need, it is going to be, it's going to feel more expensive or more costly or take more time because there's so much rework being done, like work that you're doing, they're doing, they're doing, and so many things that can be missed. And if something's missed when you're doing it manually, you have to re-go back and do everything. But with tracks, you could have that same airship chain in five different units or a hundred different tracks or whatever, and you find the mistake, like when you're doing the hundredth and one tract or that next unit where you find a document that should would have affected the way that airship broke up you add that document it instantly updates all of those other chains right so that it's just not doable by human and therefore it sounds complex it takes a lot of time 
but really what you're talking about is like, did I have kids? Did my kids have kids? Did, did you know, where did, you know, these are very simple things to keep track of for a computer at scale. In East Texas, you, it is hard to find documents. Mm. So uh, finding those documents, the research aspect is the challenging portion. Tracks really shines in that area. We, we were just doing a project in East, we're still actively doing, it's a massive project. Essentially, they had brokers doing the work before we came on. Those brokers to turn in a unit's worth of title were spending over three months. Like we completed six uh, units in half the time and with less landmen. Half the time, less landmen and six units versus one. So just like quantify that. So um, East Texas is hard, harder than Appalachia because of finding the documents. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to Noble Royalties, who's been a leader in the minerals and royalty space since 1997. With the ever-changing landscape of the energy industry, Noble's team urges EMPs, mineral funds, and private families to rethink how they buy and sell their minerals. Noble's legacy and experience will assist in delivering effective solutions to EMPs and private owners alike on how to best maximize their mineral ownership in this ever-changing market. If you're interested in having a conversation about what might be the best solution for your company, fund, or family, then please reach out to Chase Morris at cmorris at nobleroyalties.com or Shannon Manor at smanor at nobleroyalties.com. Predicting operator behavior is the name of the game in the mineral space, but using permits and relocations alone to do this is not enough. Detecting well pads and frack ponds in order to see which permits are on the rig schedule, discount permits that won't ever be sputted, and determine which ducks are next up on the frack schedule is key to de-risking your underwriting. By using satellite imagery and AI, Source Energy shows oil-filled well pad construction before permits are filed shows frack pond filings even before the crew arrives, and shows pinpoint frack crew movements daily, so you can get ahead of drilling activity and completions. If you're interested in leveraging this technology to revolutionize your ground game, then please feel free to visit www.sourceenergy.com minerals, or email info at sourceenergy.com for a free demo. How do you go over the border in Louisiana on the Haynesville? How does Louisiana yeah. fare? Like it's nothing of note. The next place I'd go of note would be like the Permian, but like, let's talk about Louisiana. Data is pretty readily available. The title's pretty clean. Everyone talks about prescription and things like that. And you know, that makes it challenging. Well, actually that makes title really easy. The title gets cleared up anytime a certain amount of period passes by, it just reverts back to the surface owner. Tracks allows you to track reversionary interest. You've literally flagged the, the interest as reversionary. Any doc, anything that's aged a certain amount of time, you're alerted up and you can go back and, and check to see is should this should this title revert back to the service owner so i love when people are like louisiana title's really tough we've had so much trouble with it there's a lot of shops that go tim we're gonna we're coming from the permian and we're gonna focus on east texas just because you know the land system in, in louisiana we're not from there we don't have experience from there and it's just a little tricky we're gonna just we're just gonna bow out from louisiana so it's really interesting. You said what can be challenging for a human is easier for a computer and maybe vice versa. So it's actually some of the challenges that man, you know, that you're facing manually are actually the inverse with, with tracks and software. That's, uh, that's interesting. Going over to the Permian, I'm assuming Texas is kind of nothing to comment, but the New Mexico side. Like I know I did an episode with Nick Varel at Wing when he exited his portfolio end of last year. 
And he talked about the year plus of investment it took to get ready to start buying deals at scale in New Mexico going into 2020. And he said that's one of the challenges in New Mexico is it's just the investment and the time it's, it takes. So what have you seen from a tracks perspective in New Mexico? I will say that there is some very big things of note in the Permian, but in New Mexico, the tracks can crush title in New Mexico. There's nothing complicated about the title in New Mexico, as an example. It's simple math. The computer can do it. You know, you can churn through it. The big challenge in New Mexico has always been getting getting access to the data, getting the getting the, the scan copies of the documents. But that was a problem maybe a few years ago. Now everyone's trying to sell me a copy of, you know, Lee and Eddie County, right? Like everyone's got the indexes. I think we even have all the indexes for Lee and Eddie County. And so those problems are largely solved, but it is a matter of getting that data, you know, working with the courthouses to get the documents that we've seen traditionally be the challenges in New Mexico, but the, the underlying title itself, not challenging whatsoever. And then now, you said uh, on the Texas side of the Permian, what are some of the things to know? Yeah. So in the Permian title can be difficult just because of the scale of it. So if you think about like a, a tract of land in Louisiana or East Texas, or basically anywhere else in the world, like, or in the US or the lower 48, like even Appalachia, you're looking at less than 50,000 computations to get to the right answer. So that is how many math equations does a landman have to do in order to figure out all the current owners and what, and exactly what they own. So one third of one eighth plus one six, like it's not uncommon to see change of title with 2000 or less computations, super simple title, even in New Mexico or any of these areas that you've described as, as potentially being complex. In the Permian Basin, there are single tracts of land that are over 1 million computations. And we've actually come across it like a contiguous area, which as soon as you add more tracts, it can, it can add up. But like you would expect there to be more common title, but in like maybe not a 10 acre, but call it like a 50 acre or less area where there's over 5 million computations. It actually slows down. We have endless compute power. You actually run into it in the Permian Basin if your scope is too big, right? So what can increase the number of computations is the number of leases, the number of parties, the types of severances, and you have NPRI of 88s or what are fixed conveyances in the Permian Basin happen. They happen there more than anywhere else I've seen. And it essentially makes it very hard to get to the right answer because of the type of conveyance it is. But again, tracks, tracks that. Um, yeah, so that's where, and, and let's, let's face it, anyone with lots of dollars and wants to achieve velocity of capital has a Permian leg on on the stool of their strategy. And so manually it's cost prohibitive to do blanket title in, in the areas they want to target. So if, if you're doing this, then there's an extreme advantage in the Permian for sure. We have numerous clients that run blanket title in the Permian Basin. If there's a deal being marketed in the Permian Basin, the odds are one of our customers are doing the diligence on it in advance or have already done it. We have situations where customers that are, are doing blanket title and they, they did that blanket title initially just so that they could buy off of it, right? But maybe somebody else is wanting to buy something in the Permian, like a marketed deal. Well, this company that now has all the blanket title can reach out to a partner and say, hey, what we bring to the table is the answer. That's our portion of the deal, or that's a portion of, our, of what we're offering. Now let us partner with you. Now you can tr transact in a day. You know exactly what you're bidding on. And so, you know, let's get a deal done. And like the largest deal, that I know about that's happened this year, that was in one of the offers. There was a partnership like that where the blank title had been done in advance. There's also ways to market to other kind like EMPs, like 
hey, you know, we're going to run all of your title. Maybe, you know, we're running, we'll provide you the title. So I, I have a question, actually. What are the limitations on this data? So in a sense, someone pays fees to you to use tracks. They start to build this proprietary database to their company. And that is an asset. Now, I've on other podcasts around Appalachia kind of thrown the idea out of one of the biggest barriers to entry in Appalachia is this accrual of title over time. And the reason you don't see someone raise a $200 million fund and just enter Appalachia is they're starting at ground zero. And as a result, really the, the major players in Appalachia have all been there for five to 10 years minimum. Now, I kind of threw out this idea of maybe large transactions that get marketed need to include title with the sale, because then that gives you know someone who, let's use Darren Zanovich, for example. He's not, I don't believe he's looking at Appalachian, maybe he is. I'm just using an example. His strategy is get a flagship position and then build around it. So if he wanted to theoretically go into Appalachia and get a flagship position on a marketed asset, could he buy title, a title database that was accrued with tracks to then do his ground game bolt-ons um, for the rest of it? Is that an option or is there is there restrictions there on the data? I mean, everything can be contracted. The way the data is set up right now is I cannot go market the data that we have in anywhere in tracks and, and we don't. But if I know someone where a client is interested in something, I can do, I can create like this anonymous world where both anonymous parties can negotiate the transfer of title. But most, most often what happens um, as far as transfer of data and tracks is we have a customer that buys from a tracks, existing track, if they both have tracks, right? Or if this other one, the, the, the buyer is going to get tracks afterwards and they just, they, they can both now have a copy of the data, right? So that title data is all put in there. But for sure, people will ask if they can transfer data to another partner company. Numerous companies of ours, and especially with guys with ground games where they're partnering with other kind of small ground games in order to increase their footprint, they'll, they'll do a data share. Right, so they have title in this area and they use it to supply leads to the to their their ground game, right? Their other partners. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I'm glad we dove into that because really what you guys are creating is is an asset. It's not just a software service. So I think that that has a, a lot of long tail uh, value to it for sure. Let's keep going around the horn because I think we're we're really getting in some good conversation. We have the Eagle for the Anadarko, DJ Bakken and PRB left. So we're in Texas, let's go over to Eagleford. And then we'll hit the other basins and then wrap up the episode. Yeah. So nothing major of note in the Eagleford. Like the Eagleford, it's super easy to run title. It's pretty easy to get data. It's readily available. Nothing crazy generally happens. So sorry to, to take the steam out of that one. Not every basin is challenging. Like I, we there are basins that are extraordinarily easy. You know, I, I hate to say that. I'm, I just know I'm going to hear some cringing. But like I'd say, the PRB. If you have tracks, like if you're doing it manually, the game is the same basically everywhere, right? But if you have tracks, there are certain basins that are just a lot easier, like the Bakken, like most of most of Oklahoma. I say most of Oklahoma because some counties don't make it easy to get copies of the documents. But in these areas, the books, unlike Texas, are actually organized by tract versus by party. So when you have a when you have a library of parties. There's no one book you can go to to see who owns that tract of land. You have to go to 100 different books. And so that research can take time. Now, even though it's been digitized and sped up using companies like Inveris or other digital courthouses, it's still still t- more time consuming than going to 
Oklahoma and being able to just run the whole section in three days or less. Like there, there are literally like endless amounts of title in, in Oklahoma that we, we just, you can't compete with somebody using tracks. I mean, Simrex was a, before it became Coterra, there was a perfect example. They had people doing title by hand. The title took them 18 and 20 days. And then the team using tracks, same exact team included training was done in three and a half days, included a day of training. So really how, how you know, like where data is organized by track or by section, your title, your cost of doing diligence is extraordinarily low if you have tracks. And remember some, when it's so expensive, like let's say you're a mineral buyer in Oklahoma, it's expensive to run title. So you verify a single name and, and you do that because verifying everyone's going to cost you money, but actually excluding data from the process costs you more money, but you have no way of processing it all. So when you take down a whole section in Oklahoma using tracks, when you run all of the title in that section, it's actually less money than the person just verifying a single interest manually. So you can get every name you've done dramatically faster. And the reason is every document you look at is going into a chain of title, right? Versus the landman in Oklahoma is going through, or sorry, the landman doing just one name. He's, he's having to say, oh, this document doesn't apply. This doc, he's reviewing documents unnecessarily, but there's total efficiency in blanket title, especially when that title is organized by section or tract. And that's so, in the in almost everywhere, almost everywhere okay. uh, except for Texas. Got it. Got it. And then lastly, let's just hit the DJ. What are your thoughts on the DJ? Yeah, same thing. So super, super simple title. I say super simple. There are obviously complex transactions. I'd say 1% of documents in a chain and there's on average 98 documents. So you're talking one or two documents per chain of title that you want an expert to review, but like that would happen no matter what. Nobody's no, there is no special title except for in the places we've mentioned, like in Appalachia, there's lots of airship in New Mexico. It's hard to get some documents in East Texas. It's hard to find documents, but the title transactions, like I'm selling you my minerals, your Louisiana has prescription and some other places have prescription, which actually just cleans up the title. So the things that are different about it actually make it easy in the long term, having all the airships figured out in Appalachia makes titles simpler. So the more title you do in Appalachia, the simpler it becomes. Each chain of airship becomes accretive to your whole process. In just like in East Texas, as you collect all the documents and you interpret them, it becomes easier and easier and easier to do title there. So. Awesome. Well, actually, really, really interesting conversation. Thanks again for coming on. I'll, I'll hand it over to you to close it out. Let's just a little plug for tracks. I mean, we've already kind of answered this question through the conversation in the episode, but who, if you look like this as a minerals company, you know, what, what's the best fit, right? For using tracks, describe your kind of ideal clients uh, and the different types and whoever's comfortable with you sharing, you know, some of your existing clients. I think that's a good way for people to get reference point as well on size and, you know, maybe it's private equity backing or the basin they're in or, or whatever. I'll, I'll let you uh, take it away. Yeah. So if you're running title, you should be using tracks. We have day rate, monthly rate, enterprise license licenses. If you go with a day rate, we are capturing a large a large portion of your savings, but we're allowing you to close the deal faster. And you are in fact going to still save money and you're going to get to a more accurate answer. If you're a big shop trying to scale, we were just talking to a shop that was looking at hiring more in-house landmen. And 
I was like, before you do that, have you thought about multiplying the effects of your existing one or your existing landman? And, you know, that really, you know, sat with them, right? So they, they are, they actually signed up to be a client yesterday um, after that conversation, because if you, and they had the advantage of knowing some of our mutual connections, like some of our clients, so they could reach out to, you know, OneMap or RWW or, or, you know, Riverbend or any of our existing customers. I think people are starting to know what tracks is and who, who some of our successful clients are. I can tell you this, if you want to win, you need competitive advantages and uh, competitive advantages can come generally from lower cost of capital or more capital um, that you're willing to pay or through information asymmetry. Asymmetry, information asymmetry allows you to get there first. It allows you to close faster. It allows you to actually pay what an asset is worth to you. And whether you're a small scale shop or a big, uh, a big shop, whether you've got a ground game or you're aggregating a huge portfolio of, of minerals, you need to know more than your competitor to win. It's, it's not enough to pay more. It's not enough to make, to offer more. The other thing too, if you have a portfolio and you're looking to go to market, it's another, another angle as well to make sure you're maximizing your, your dollars and, and putting the right price point out there. Anyways, Ashley, uh, great catching up and I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. The Minerals and Royalties Authority is a specialist advisory firm focused exclusively on the oil and gas minerals and royalty space. With our leading content platform and thought leadership, our team is looking to continually bring awareness to the minerals and royalty space in order to help companies and investors form new partnerships and buy and sell more deals. If you're interested in learning more about how Minerals and Royalties Authority can help your team through our offering of consulting services for business development, content creation, executive search, asset divestiture, and investment buy-side advisory, then please send me an email at tim at mineralsauthority.com. Thanks, and see you next time.